0: Hey everyone, welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. This episode is part two in my series of interviews with many of the young designers who presented their work at the Young Designers Forum at this past USITT. You'll be hearing interviews with Vanessa J. Lopez, costume technician and crafts artisan, Olivia DeLuca, lighting designer, Jeremy Smith, scenic designer, Brandon Reed, sound designer, Becca Johnson, Scenic Designer, Katie Fetro, Designer, Sasha Schwartz, Scenic Designer and Scenic Artist, Madison McLean, Makeup, FX Artist and Wig Maker, Yelena Anchik, Set Designer and Artist, Alice Trent, Lighting and Projection Design, and finally, Danielle Soldat, Costume Technician. I want to thank each and every one of the folks who I had the opportunity to speak with over that entire day that were part of the Young Designers Forum. Your work is amazing. It's fantastic. It's inspiring. You're going to do great things. For anyone that's listening, again, to learn more about each and every one of these designers, please check the show notes and follow the various links to their production and design websites. So again, I want to extend a hearty thank you to everybody who participated in these interviews. I hope that whatever this does for you is give you a little bit more exposure, uh, maybe get your 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 names out there, and you know, hopefully, get you some work because that's the most important thing. Spread the word, spread the art, make great art. You guys, all of you, all of you, all of you, all of you did fantastic. So again, I thank you. I'm eternally grateful to you. Best of luck. And to everyone who's listening, enjoy the show. Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, my
1: goodness, oh my goodness what a faraway place! It is
0: a faraway place. Oh Come on down. It's nice every day. I know. Um, So I'm standing here with, first of all, Miss Vanessa Lopez, a graduate student of the University of Texas at Austin, Austin, Texas, and Miss Olivia De Lucia. De Luca. De Luca. I I was trying to go all fancy Italian. (laughs) From Mason, Ohio, and what university? University of Oklahoma. Univers, Oh, wait, 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 wait. We got Oklahoma and Texas right here. Uh Oh, Uh, we got a Sooner and a a, Longhorn. Longhorn. Welcome. (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so this, this is gonna, there are going to be some fireworks here, <laughs> but everybody play nice. Um, so, uh, Miss DeLuca is a lighting designer, and Miss Lopez is a costume technician and crafts artisan, and you recently won a, an I, award?
1: Yes, I won the Barbara Matera Award in costume making. Excellent,
0: excellent, excellent, excellent. So, uh, well, let's start uh, with you first, and uh, Tell us about what, what we're looking here. We, it looks like we have what looks like a, a Muppet puppet, <laughs> um, a, a, a friend.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So that's Harriet. Um, she's my Muppet-style hand-and-rod puppet. Okay. Um, one of my faculty members at UT Austin, he used to work for Jim Henson, so he's very familiar, and he taught a puppetry class um, at UT. I, I take a lot of, I say it's like going to school at Hogwarts, because I take a lot of weird classes, magical classes, like mask making and hat making. But yeah, Harriet, she was one of my class projects and she's kind of become my calling card. I take her everywhere with me.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah is she on like your business card
1: yes she is <laughs> excellent
0: and you well now that's a marionette yes uh-huh. yes okay and uh, what was the story behind this marionette
1: so as part of that class um, my graduate faculty he's very well connected in the industry and so he knows Philip Hubert who was the puppeteer for being John Malkovich okay and he he made that puppet so he came as a guest artist and he taught us how to do marionettes and how to build them how to operate them so she's made really well is what I'm told by him I can't operate her to save my life. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, so what? What what makes a costume technician, craft artisan different than, say, a designer?
1: So designers are the ones who who imagine the costume they work with budgets and color palettes and the rest of the production team to create this thing in their head and then they render it they put it on paper and they come to the technicians and the crafts artisans and they say make this for me so then it's my job to figure out the logistics and the engineering to bring to life exactly what they drew and it's also my job to tell them like no, you, you drew this scene, but because of physics, it's impossible to put that there. Right. But yeah, I, I make their reality come to life.
0: What, where, what do you, where do you tend to draw inspiration from? Or is it just whatever comes in your head?
1: Well, I, I take a lot of pride in being able to reproduce exactly what costumers designed. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that's always my my go-to, my workhorse. The the rendering controls all. But, you know, I take a little creative license here and there um, with seam lines sometimes. You know, making things look as flattering as possible on actors. Uh If if there's something I design myself personally, I love color and sparkle. Uh, You know, I'm very Bob Mackie at heart. So, all of my class projects are very sparkly and because
0: what jumped into my head as as I'm as I'm looking at all this is uh, the the sci-fi show Face Off, oh,
1: uh-huh. where
0: where there's people transforming people into creatures and things like that. Now again, I'm not the most learned, brightest person in the world when it comes to comes to is that kind of the world you're talking about, or is it just is what what exa- I guess I'm I'm showing my ignorance here when it comes to because you have everything from zombies to cybernetic. Uh, dinosaurs to bespoke suits and dresses.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm actually a draper by trade. So okay. how I started in the industry was dressmaking and tailoring. So tailoring is the men's wear, draping is the women's wear. Um, that will always be my bread and butter. But in grad school is when I really got into the crafts part of it, which is we're considered more specialty costumers. If we can do the millinery and the mask making and the, the the out of the box weird things that require a lot of prototype and handwork. Okay. Um This right here is actually, I took an SFX makeup class, which again, the same thing, my, my faculty member, he's well connected and and he knows Matthew Mungle, who's an Academy Award-winning makeup artist. And he came as a guest artist and said, Hey, let's make zombies and let's make weird things. And it was just another really cool opportunity I had going at UT. Um, so this, this isn't kind of my everyday go-to oh, okay. stuff. Right. This is just a nice thing. Like, I made those zombie dentures, and I thought it'd be really cool to showcase.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So if you had, if you had like the next ideal project, what would it be?
1: Well, So what I tell everybody, my favorite show in the world is Game of Thrones. I would love to work for Game of Thrones, but a lot of their stuff is based out of India. It's made in India. Okay. Um, and so I, I don't speak the language, so, uh, but I would love to work on a project of that scale with that kind of budget with, you know, all these exotic textiles and silhouettes, something like that. And a project like that allows for a lot of armor making and metal work, and that's the kind of stuff I like to do. Cool.
0: And if, uh, if people want to find you and your work, how do
1: they do it? Oh, so I have a website. It's my name. It's www.vanessajlopez.com and my portfolio is on there and my contact information.
0: Cool. Cool. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much.
1: Thank you thank so you very much. much. So
0: let's go over to our, our friend here, our friend here, Miss Olivia DeLuca. I'm going to keep saying that because I want to make sure I get it right so everybody <laughs> knows. Um, uh, lighting design. Yes. So, uh, you again, you, everyone here so far has had beautiful presentations. There hasn't been a bad one among the bunch. Uh, uh, so could you tell us about what, what we're presented here?
2: Yeah, so I have three shows up here. Grand Hotel is my most recent one. It's a big, bright musical set in 1920s Germany at a very fancy hotel. Um, it was directed by Adam Cooper, and he's a beautiful director of choreography, and that was a lot of fun to collaborate with that show. And then we have City of Angels, which is another musical. It's set in sort of two different worlds. It's in a film noir movie and uh, 1940s Hollywood. And the film noir was a lot of fun and a huge challenge to create on stage. And I, together with my other designers, we created this film noir world full of angle and, and texture and this really specific film noir color, which is meant to look like the absence of color, which... It was a challenge but it turned out really beautifully and then the last work that I have up here is I Rise which is a modern ballet Uh, it was choreographed by Amy Hall Garner and it is a new work so I was the first designer to get to play with this piece and I did the lighting and projections design for it and it was a lot of fun to create this new work inspired by Maya Angelou and her poem Still I Rise which is a very inspiring poem and she's a very inspiring individual and I had a lot of fun playing with bright colors and textures for that piece
0: do you have a, a particular preference of say like some people like to do dance some people like to do opera some mm-hmm. people like to do plays are you do you find yourself drawn to any particular type of, uh, of production or are you just whatever whatever comes your way
2: Not necessarily drawn to a particular type of production. Um, Each show is its own challenge. There's things to love about each of them, and they're all so different. I do really like musicals because you get to do a little bit of everything. There's music, there's dancing, there's book scenes, and you can kind of have a a very wide range with musicals and a lot to play with. But I I also really love this dance piece, and I think designing dance gives the lighting designer a lot of freedom, especially with a new work like this, because everyone was really receptive to new ideas. With it being a brand new work,
0: who has uh, who has helped guide you through your your, your design? Uh, your design understanding and, and, and made you become the designer that you are today? I've had a lot of
2: great uh, faculty members at the University of Oklahoma. John Young is one of my design professors and then Richard Sprecher is another. And they've really helped me to sort of hone my eye and they give me the support I need when I have an idea and I don't know how to make it a reality. Mm-hmm. And they sort of help, have helped guide me um, to making to working with physics and making it happen in real life and then I've also been just so fortunate to learn from a lot of other students in my program and so many other like really motivated individuals of the same age as myself or like a few years older who have taught me you know the things that they've learned along the way and helped guide me as I move my own way through my program.
0: If you could uh, give an uh, something that you find inspiration in everyday life like because I know that uh, uh, like photographers you know they stop and frame things and look at how, how the world works and i find that lighting people tend to look up they look around and things like that what, what how do you how do you uh, experience lighting how when you want to try and like see like that's the look i love sunsets
2: sunsets and sunrises because it's different there's a lot of color and texture in sunrises and i love the vibrant colors that come from it and then also the angles and the shadows that you get just in everyday life from a sunset sometimes it's cutting across a building in a really interesting way and I think oh wow that's great like that color on that building is really interesting I also sometimes I'll just be like walking along and I'll see something most recently it was a coffee table and it had the texture in it um it was sort of had a geometric design in it and I went that would make a great texture if I were to shine a light through that sometimes I'll have thoughts like that too where I'll see something that has texture built into it and go, that would be really interesting to shine a light through.
0: Okay, well, and while I have you both here, I'll ask you both the th- same question. Um, with uh, with women becoming more and more prominent in all the production arts fields, what would you say to the people that are going to listen to this who are maybe a little bit unsure or not quite sure if they want to do it, what would you say to encourage them to, to be part of, to continue to pursue their 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 desire to to be a lighting designer, or a production artist, or artisan, or things like
2: that. I think as theater artists, we have a really great community. It's very accepting of diverse people with diverse backgrounds, and it is, especially in lighting design, is very much a male-dominated industry still, but we're seeing more and more women being encouraged into the field, more and more women given opportunities. Even right now at this Young Designers Forum, most of us here are women, which I think is really awesome, and we're seeing much more of a push for diversity in our industry, which is really exciting. So I think anybody who, who loves theater and has an interest in it should absolutely go for it. And it's all about the work that we do and the people that we do it with. And
1: yeah, this, this question actually holds a special place to me because even as a Hispanic woman, uh-huh. it has this extra added aspect of regardless of what anybody expects of you or don't let anybody put you in this box. It's very easy to put us in boxes and say, oh, the women go and do the sewing or the women go and do this. It's something that's dealt with a lot, especially in my culture. Don't let anybody put you in there. Do what you want to do. And as long as you love it and work hard at it, you are guaranteed to be successful. Jobs will just fall in your lap.
0: Excellent. Oh, and before I forget, because I know I asked you, how do people find you?
1: I also
2: have a website with all of my contact information, my portfolio on it. It's delucalighting.com, and I'm going to spell that. It's D E L U C A lighting.com. And that's how you can find pictures of my work, contact information, and my resume, and all of that stuff.
0: Excellent. I wish you both the best of luck. This is fantastic work. Thank you. Have a great day.
2: Thank you so
3: much.
0: So I'm standing here with Jeremy Smith of Indiana University, Dumas, Arkansas. (laughs) Yes.
3: Yeah, it's Southeast Arkansas. It's Dumas, so like like okay. the writer, like
0: the... Okay, okay. And you are part of this uh, Young Designers Forum. Yes. And um, right now um, we're looking at a presentation of your work. You are a scenic designer? I am. Excellent. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what, we're, what we're seeing here. Um, you have a few model boxes. Um, are, are these are obviously different shows, but uh, let's start with uh, this one right here. Sure. one to yeah. our left
3: so uh on the one to your left is uh pippin uh and it's actually in the iu main stage the Ruth and halls uh which is it's the same space as the one that's here immediately to pippin's right for wonderful town um but yeah so i did a lot of sculpture and installation art in undergrad so when i generally um design I, I tend to, to design uh, more environmentally and based on feelings and uh, I really go with natural pieces that kind of react to other other things like light uh, as instead of putting like walls on stage okay um, yeah so for pippin the the kind of idea was a bunch of chain link fence and, and weaving and cellophane to see so you get oh, wow. essentially a club kid feel with a disco club uh if you shine light on it from the front but as soon as you backlight for like glory or something like that you get more of an industrial feeling okay yeah and then moving on to wonderful town okay, which is the model town. here what? yeah it's my current ongoing project A musical written in the 50s, set in the 30s. (laughs) Uh, And it's a frothy delight full of lots of wonderful, uh, pretty things. And um, yeah, so we have these 20 foot walls and uh, lots of windows to shine light through. And then moving on, we have Hamashimal. And uh, no, you're good. Hey, Bill. How's it going? I'm Jeremy. (laughs) How are you? Okay. I suppose, so I'm
0: going to yeah. Yeah. Sure. So intently can't wait at your stuff here that I'm um, pay attention to you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, so then moving on, we have Machinal, uh, which is uh, set in our uh, thrust area. Uh, I guess I would call it, but it's an environmental space that changes. And,
0: um, and, th- and you crafted the model box
3: itself? I did.
0: Wow. Look, That is an amazing amount of detail. How yeah, long did I it did. take you to produce just the box itself?
3: The box itself was about uh, 24 hours. Whoa. Yeah. And that's obviously not working continuously. Well, yeah, so yeah. But yeah, twenty four yeah. that, hours. that's so. a lot
0: of coffee. Yes. <laughs> but yes. the attention to detail is amazing. Thank you. It's amazing. I mean that's a show unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yes. show into and obvious and hopefully you you do re- you reuse the box or is this like done and you goes on a shelf um, and
3: it's well it, i I build them Yeah, all individually. All yeah, individual. But, that's cool. Um, but for this, it was important that a couple of pieces come off and then this whole piece pulls out. But because the strings were so based in the architecture, they're attached to that and then the floor. So they can't, um, it, it can't pull out. But yeah, this whole front section usually pulls out. And that's how we build the models for this space.
0: What uh, you, you, know, you said you came from a background of installation art and an <laughs> industrial uh, presentation. Yes. Um, how has that influenced your 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 view of, of, of design here?
3: Um, I I go for the story and how the audience feels uh, when experiencing it. Okay. Um, and and so taking that feeling and being able to manifest it in a 3D way is, is kind of um, the viewpoint from which I start everything. Okay. So it's like how how do how does it feel to live in an environment that uh, seems dangerous and um, all of that kind of uh feeling and it doesn't necessarily uh have a bunch of heavy machinery that floats around on stage you know so
0: i i've heard that uh for some designers what they like to do is they like to they go with this idea of they're creating pretty pictures as opposed to i'm putting walls here Mm -hmm. i'm doing this or things like that would you what would you say is kind of your do you like to create pretty pictures or do you how do you how do you approach
1: it
3: I enjoy sets that don't look the same from every angle because it's more about creating the feeling and evoking the feeling and um, uh, pictures are pictures are nice but I think the feeling is more memorable because okay. there's the saying of um, you'll re- you won't necessarily remember what they looked like or what they said but you'll remember how it makes you feel um, and that's that's kind of how I approach my scene. Yeah.
0: I've noticed that um, over time, as people develop their careers, they have uh, designers that they like to, to work with. Yes. Have, you, have you found someone that works well with you in terms of, like, you speak the same language? Um,
3: yes, yes I have. Uh, actually the, the director of Machinal, uh was a student director. We have an MFA for program for directing. And uh, at this point, it's to, the, it's to the point where he can say, okay, that we're thinking about imprisonment for this. And then he just kind of steps away. Um, yeah. And he gives
0: you free reign yes. to what's going on. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's just, it's, I'm always blown away. I mean, everybody's here work is, is amazing. Um, and the attention to detail is, is astounding. Um, if you could, uh, who, who is someone that has helped like, mentor or shepherd you through some of the challenges that you've faced o- over time to help you develop and become the creative person you are?
3: Yeah, um, we have an incredibly supportive uh, faculty at Indian University. Um, Ruben Lucas is the head of scenic design, so my direct mentor. Uh, Paul Bruner, um, the, he's the head of tech and design right now. And then Linda Pizzano who Originally was head of tech and design when I first moved in, and is now the chair of the department. So an incredible uh, foundation of support um, from the faculty at IU.
0: And if uh, people want to to see your work, find your work, and experience your work, how could they do that? Yeah,
3: they can go online and find it at Jeremy Smith Studio. dot com.
0: Excellent, and and there's contact information and pictures and everything. Mm-hmm excellent 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 well i thank you for your time yeah um i wish you the best of luck and uh congratulations awesome yeah thank you so much so here i am with sound designer mr brandon reed of the university of illinois urbana champaign my alma mater oh really yeah awesome. right on awesome. I'm, I'm the university of illinois awesome former fighting Illini nice. from 20 years ago now oh That's irrelevant. Uh, yeah we, we, we don't <laughs> talk about that Excellent. Okay, so this is going to be the bestest interview in the next five minutes. Okay, cool. So, so, uh, so what do we have here? This is a little bit different because you, it's a sound design. Yes. And so this is one of those things that actually has to be listened to and experienced. Yes.
4: Yes, yes. Okay. So, so, uh, so what I've done here is um, my normal portfolio is like my web online website. Okay. Uh, so my challenge here was like how do I take that and translate that into a way that works in a place I know at most of these convention centers Wi-Fi is terrible, right? Yes. So it's like how how do I how do I do that? So what I did was. I chose eight shows for my portfolio that I think show a device my diverse range. Okay. I, uh, I, I mixed them down to like one single audio file and I built videos that could company along with it. So what I did here is I have a MIDI controller that essentially uh, fires a command into QLab that will play the video. <clears throat> so you, you start off they'll show you the credits like where the show was done who all the design team was. And then it walks you through and I'm walking you through the entire story of the whole show and while you're still listening to my examples, while you're seeing everything else, they so have a visual component that goes with it.
0: Okay. And the the one that you you just started playing is for Congo Square Theater. Mm-hmm. This is at the Athenaeum. Yes. Which is uh, in in the city of Chicago. Yes. Um, I'm familiar with that space. Oh. <laughs> yes. And that was one one of the first jobs I ever had was working in the, in that space as, oh, a, cool. as a freelance person. Nice. In lighting. Um, so uh, so what? So you create. Soundscapes. You create sound designs. What, what? If? What, what? I'm I'm not the most sound savvy person. Yeah, so yeah. please well, forgive me.
4: No, it's all good. Um, the answer is yes. Um, I do everything from I design the soundscapes the audience hears in the space. I write. I'm also a composer, so most of the time I write all the music for the shows, uh, unless the script otherwise says to use a mm-hmm. specific song or if a director has a request. Okay. Um, but most of the time, I am writing the music myself. I do all the sound effects. If there's microphones, I take care of that as well. Um, yeah, so I anything that has anything to do with, with audio, whether that be a microphone, sound effects, environmental sounds, music, I do it all.
0: Okay. and wh- Now, obviously, there are, are challenges to, to, to the sound design, engineering, and things yes. like that. What, what do you think has been uh, the, the biggest challenge as of late?
4: Um, I would say, for me, it's a good sound designer can t- can know when he is supporting the overall through line of a production. It's you have to do a lot more than just what the script calls for, in my opinion. I feel like a good sound designer can realize how can I help enhance or enlighten a moment or a scene without drawing too much attention away from the actors. Because mm-hmm. our job, I feel, is to help support what's happening on stage. Now, whether that be, there's a beautiful underscore underneath, whether it be environmental sounds, it's whatever it takes to help uplift that scene to the next, the best that it can be. Um, And I see a lot of designers, especially starting off or who don't quite have the education or I don't want to say respect, but like just don't appreciate the art form for what it is. Uh, they tend to go for the really easy generic answers. Like, it says a dog bark, I'm going to get any old dog bark. Well, it's like, well, is it a big beefy dog? What kind of breed is it? Is it angry? Is it scrowling? Is it snarling? There's a whole story you have to tell with that one single dog bark that a lot of people overlook.
0: There was a, there was a big to-do, um, a few years ago when the Tony Awards dropped uh, the the, the sound design Mm -hmm. uh, component. Um, I don't keep up with everything and anything. Yeah. Um. What, do you know what what has happened with that since?
4: Yes, so it has been reinstated um, as of last year. So last year they brought back for the, the the Tony Awards for the sound design for both musical and play. Okay. Um, the last year's winners were um, Gareth Fry for Harry Potter on Broadway, and um, oh my God, what was the musical winner? It was a uh, uh, not Once in on the Island. It was a uh, it was the most. It was the most recent one that was like really natural sounding. Um, oh my god, I feel so terrible. That was Kai Harada did the sound design. Okay. Um, the play was. Oh my god.
0: It'll There's be a, it'll be that thing where you'll we'll we'll stop this and you'll be like oh that's what
4: it was. Okay. Okay. okay so we're I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass myself right now and have to look at look that up. It's a, uh, Kai Harada um, sound design for musical. Uh, ha, 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 ha. No, Tony. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, here we go. Watch. I'm gonna have it right the whole time and just not. Um, the fans visit. Okay. So sorry.
0: Um, I I, I assume he I forgives you. you.
4: <laughs> I hope he does. Um. Yeah, so that that was taken away for about four years. Um, I think it was twenty fourteen was the last year. I think so. Uh, and then it was gone, and it was reinstated for the twenty the twenty eighteen season.
0: Okay, and uh, if uh, if you could uh, convince people or make a pitch for people of why they should listen more mm. and, and talk less and enjoy the environment, what would you what would you say to? Them? Well,
4: for me, how I always like to say it is. Um, when you go when you go in to see a show, it's not about whether or not you're listening; it's about knowing if the show is well supported. Okay. So for me, when you if you see a scene or a piece of theater, whether and it really impacted you in some way, um, what about it really supported and helped sell that scene? Was it um, the actors' actual acting, or was it like the music supporting it? Was it the environmental sounds? Was it the lighting? And to me, that's kind of how you can tell if something was a good sound design because I feel like. Sound can be both quiet and in your face at the same time. Whatever it wants to be. And if you think that the sound or whatever served that moment was the most impactful, that's how I judge a good sound design. Okay. You know? Because nothing to me is worse than... You're seeing a really powerful monologue on stage. and then Out of nowhere, like, there's a random glass break. And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> you know? It has to support what's happening on stage. And knowing when... So it's knowing when you can tell a scene is properly supported. I think, um, yeah. At least that's my philosophy. At least I know there's different opinions. That's how I feel.
0: Sure, sure. Oh, uh, there, there was something that just jumped into my head because sure. I have I have uh, had the opportunity to to be around some really um, interesting people who do sound. Yeah. And uh, I what. So, and the music, or, um some people ha- tend to have other things that they like to do, like be musicians, gotcha, and and, and things like that. And I've run into a couple that are actual really well skilled foley artists. Yeah. And is, are the, do you have outside interests like that when you? Uh, oh, for sure.
4: Yeah. Um, I this soaks up so much of my life that I I do so much theater, opera, and dance um, things I like to do when I'm not in that. Uh, I, I'm a part-time mixing engineer. Okay. So a lot of bands, whether that be rock and roll, folk, jazz, uh, they, they send me their, their tracks and I mix their songs for them. Okay. For like CDs and stuff like that or iTunes or whatever. So that's a thing I do. It's like a side passion project. Um, I do like to do a little bit of Foley. I love experimenting with synthesizers. I think I'm always trying to learn something new. So I'm always playing with a new synthesizer or a new plugin that like... I have so... I have an absurd amount of plugins on my, in my collection that I have only either touched once or not at all. So, like, I've lately I've been trying to make more of a trend to like, even just in my free time, mess around with plugins that I own and say, "Oh, what's can is this is useful for something that I can use in the future." Awesome, um, awesome. Yeah.
0: If uh, people want to listen to your work and find your work, where where do they go?
4: www. Excellent.
0: Well, I appreciate your time, and again. From from a fellow alumni?
4: Hell yeah, awesome. Excellent. Thank you.
0: Yep. So I'm here talking to Rebecca Johnson, who goes professionally by Becca. Uh, You are a graduate student of scene design from the University of Tennessee in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, right now we are looking at her display of work. Uh, There are three shows here. Lullaby. I have
5: some paper projects on the side there, too. Excellent.
0: And, uh, and you have a wonderful scenic design model sitting in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell us uh, a little bit about uh, uh, this model? Yeah. And, and
5: so this is for the show Alias Grace. It was based on the novel by Margaret Atwood, who also wrote Handmaiden's Tale. Um, it's also been made into a Netflix series and now into stage production. Um, this is a new show, so it's only been done a couple of times here. Um, And yeah, I think this was like the third production of it. This was at the Carousel Theater at the Clarence Brown in Knoxville. And yeah, it's a spooky murder mystery type show. Um, A 16-year-old girl is on trial for murder and she claims to have no memory of the show. So a psychiatrist is brought in to do interviews with her and to try to recount her memory of what happened that night of the murder. so yeah so, and as we look at this model this
0: is a quite an expansive model um, and it's n- it's a non proscenium space. That, yes, it, this
5: is our round carousel space. Um, okay. So the seating goes all the way around the entire space. Um, so I try I wanted to keep it as much in the round as possible. Okay. Um, so we would feel like we're in the room during Grace's interviews. We're sort of like watching her from a 360 perspective, um, much like the doctor does in the interviews. Um, and. The show moves quickly. We flow in and out of scenes pretty fast. So to keep the movement of the play, I wanted to place all of the set dressings and all of the props around the edge of the stage. So in order to change scenes, there were no bulky shifts. It was just moving a chair, pulling a stool up on stage, and a shift in lighting to create a new scene
0: um, one, one of the interesting things about this this model is that part of instead of the set just being in the center itself I mean mm-hmm. it has a part that actually uh, traverses into the into the seating
5: yeah this was actually um, our dressing room area we can expand the seats all the way around the space but there are a couple of scenes where we needed to sort of see a silhouetted Hint of what was happening during a show And we didn't want to have those scenes placed Out mm-hmm. in the open So that gave us a way to play with lighting And create silhouettes And they were able to walk through In and out of these sheets and quilts That were used as masking in the space Okay. We also expanded the masking All the way around the seating area So there were quilts around the entire space okay. The theme of the quilt is pretty important In the play She's sewing her quilt Throughout the show but it is pieces of different parts of her life, different memories, and I wanted to evoke that with the floor as well.
0: And where did you draw inspiration for for this piece?
5: Um, well, for the floor specifically, I wanted it to be in the round, so that was an easy decision to just sort of go with this deck configuration just the floor and you have different textures
0: here you so you have like what looks like a
5: slatted floor Mm -hmm. into what looks like a like tile like tile yeah so I was inspired by the quilts and sort of the blending of textures and uh materials sort of like the quilts um because each piece of she uses the material from her petticoat, uh, material from her prison dress, so different materials are woven together to tell her story in the quilt. And I wanted to do the same with the floor. Now, uh, is there another space that's in at the school Because the, the, yeah, this is our proscenium okay, main so this stage a show, and you've designed this is on that space. on that stage as well. Yes, I have, and we also have a lab space, which is there. It's a smaller oh, okay. sort of black box thrust.
0: Excellent. And out of these three spaces, obviously they present different challenges. Yeah. Um, which one did you find the most interesting to, to work in?
5: Um, the main stages was the most challenging um, because it's so big and we had more opportunity, more money, but it was definitely, it's harder to fill a bigger space like that. Mm-hmm. Sort of like in the round though, it was my favorite space
3: um, okay. Yeah, it's just a different
5: feeling, and it's a beautiful space. So I like that the most. Yeah.
0: When, uh, when you, uh, when you start to to go from, uh, the, uh, when you receive the play to um, the, the, the the actual staging of it, mm-hmm. what do you find is uh, the the one part in that journey where you go, I know, I know, I've got to do this. I may not want to do it, but I'm gonna do it. Mm, what, what?
5: The hardest part of the process? Yeah, what do you
0: find that is the hardest part of the process?
5: Um, well, my favorite part is reading it and getting into the research. That's really where I find my inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, there are parts that of everyone's job that's not as fun. So, like, the drafting and computer sort of things. Now, this yeah. is CAD? Yeah, Vectorworks, AutoCAD.
0: Oh, Vectorworks. Okay. Yeah,
5: it's a CAD program, but... Yeah, so that's sort of the more boring part of our job, um, <laughs> figuring out how it's going to be built, what materials we're going to use. Um.
0: Now, obviously, you know, like like if any specialty field, you can't know every product and, yeah. and, and things like that. Who who do you find other people that you go to in the event that you get stuck?
5: Well, we have a technical director and an assistant technical director. And those guys are in our shops and they, we give them the drafting and they say, okay, well, we think we're gonna build it this way. Is that cool? And we, it's all a very collaborative process. So mm-hmm. we talk about it and I recommend materials that I think they should use and they either agree or disagree. And then we go from there and figuring out budget and that kind of thing, so.
0: If you could say like, if you had like a signature thing that you like to put in every set, mm. like I knew a, 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 props, a props person, who like to put uh, a moose, a yeah. little moose, somewhere it, it, huh. it, but it, it <laughs> seen, no but that wasn't necessarily seen. But you know, he put it in a drawer <laughs> or he put it in a book <laughs> yeah. or something like that.
5: I don't have any little nuggets like that, but this chair okay, well, is one of my, oh, my well, favorite well, chairs well, that well, has um, been um, in our prop storage for years. And can you can you just describe it because
0: oh yeah, because uh, it, it's a it's not a high back chair, but it's a it's a it's a regular.
5: Yeah, it's sort of like a decorative. It's not ladder back chair, but it's got a decorative um, detail to it. But it is had many coats of paint on it. It's sort of distressed. Um, some of the detailing is broken off. But so when you leave school, it's going to somehow magically appear in your. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful chair. I mean, I don't think it's very practical for like you know comfort or. Yeah, but.
0: Well, very cool. Very cool. If people want to see your work um maybe uh hopefully get you uh, some some work yeah um how do they find you
5: um i have a website beccajohnsondesigns.com or okay. beccajohnsondesigns at gmail.com it's my email excellent So yeah i will be in raleigh north carolina for the summer so so hoping to freelance go, from there go
0: see her work folks yeah. go see her work well i appreciate your time thank you so much yeah absolutely all right, so I am here now standing with Miss Katie Petro and Miss Sasha, Sasha, oh boy, I need to get something to drink, Miss <laughs> Sasha Schwartz yes. of Carnegie Mellon University, Pittsburgh, PA. Hello, how are you today?
6: Wonderful, how are doing you? Doing good. Excellent. Uh,
0: Miss Schwartz is a scenic designer and scenic artist, and uh, Miss Petro is a... Scenic designer as well, in production design and interior design. Oh, my goodness. It's going (laughs) to be... It's a mouthful. It is. It is. It goes... You can fit it on a a card. Yes. Excellent. So, right now, they are uh, showing both their works right across from one another. Um, So, let's start to our right here. Sure. And we are looking at... Tell us what we're looking at. All
6: right. So, um... Oh,
0: by the way, this is Miss Fetro.
6: Hi, I'm Katie. (laughs) Um... I'm a scenic designer, uh, I have a background in like interior design and architecture, so a lot of my uh, work is um, within the production design um, or immersive uh, site-specific kind of um, shows. So my thesis right now um, is called AB Machines, which I have been collaborating with a grad director at Carnegie Mellon um, to write and produce this play based off of Andy Warhol's writings and philosophies. We've used a lot of the texts from his, um, book from A to B and back again, um, which is sort of a biography of, of sorts. Um, in, and we've created this, um, this show about beauty and, uh, fame and, uh, self- Uh, presentation in everyday life really and
0: so this large model that we're looking at that's the show.
6: This is the show, yes. So it's kinda it's like a little Barbie dream housey, you know. I I could see that. Um and it more of like a playground for these three actors um, who are all male but are dressed in kind of gender fluid costumes um, and they have there's just it's full of props for them to play with for them to alter um, their appearances and then we've used a lot of live camera work that they are controlling the cameras and then um, through monitors and projections um, we bring the audience these crafted um, framed images um, to really like help the audience understand what goes into making a photograph of yourself and what what you're trying to present to other people versus okay. what you kind of are like um on your more private your private side and creating more self- self-empathy and um is really the goal so yeah so he- and it's been great to work with andy warhol's texts and i've gotten to meet his his nephew who is oh, wow. still alive and works for the, their foundation so, yeah. so- uh, we actually got to use some of his uh Andy Warhol's clothing within the production too. So, so, so is saying.
0: this a little bit of an homage? Is it inspired by? How, how inspired do you, how, by? Inspired by?
6: Yes. Okay. Andy Warhol does not appear in any fashion, nor does any of his artwork. It is just uh, an in- inspired story. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. I, I and I, I've been staring at this, and I think that the, the, the lights under the little platforms just come on.
6: Yeah, yeah. It, it lights up. There's fun surprises. There's a confetti drop. There's a mylar kabuki wow Um, thing that happened how long did it
0: it take from zero to to completion to to completion
6: to to, to production um about eight months eight months yeah okay and this was a brand new work this is a brand new work uh philip the director philip gates um had started writing it before the design team kind of got their hands on it but we um worked through changes in the script and Um, did some small workshops with the actors on like movement and camera work Um, so it was not fully a fully devised process in kind of the sense of like professional-ish theater but um, in an academic setting it was kind of as close as you get and uh, very exciting and was very well received by um, our school and our community and the Andy Warhol
0: Museum as well so you, you, you said you had a background in, in, in other design fields how have, how have those helped influence or change or and with, with the meeting of, of the new skills how have you found yourself growing or, or your perception of what it is that you do
6: um, so, yeah, my background, again, is in interior design and architecture, so um, coming into grad school after five years of professional experience, um, I had a fairly strong skill set in drafting and computer um, visualization, um, so what I really focused on um, as an artist was, like, the storytelling aspect and learning how to think about narratives different differently, um, uh, and what that means for spatial interactions and um i think in my future i hope to um do more site specific stuff more immersive things that are like a 360 surround to kind of meet um both my interior design architecture life into the theater um world but also i'm very interested in like tv production and film too because of of the same reasons
1: yeah
0: excellent excellent well You've definitely got uh, quite the the volume and the depth and breadth of, of, of work that's going on. Thank here. you. So let's move over to our to my left now, and now I'm speaking with Miss Sh- Sasha. Oh God, <laughs> I really need to get a bottle it's of water. A lot of S's. It is a lot of S's. Miss Sasha Schwartz, sink <laughs> uh, designer, uh, extraordinaire. <laughs> and uh, you you are you are an undergrad.
7: I am. I'm a senior right now.
0: Okay, and what are we looking here? Oh. Oh, you are the best! (laughs) What are we looking at here uh, in terms of your presentation?
7: Yeah, so um, I'm a senior undergrad now at CMU for Scenic Design also, and I also uh, work as a painter sort of on the side around the Pittsburgh area. Um, So some of my projects up here, and then my main design work uh, was last year I designed this studio show, um, actually with the same director of AB Machines, so we've kind of got his vernacular covered together. Um, And it was this uh, cool Greek play called Alkestis, and uh, the director was really interested in making it um, audience participatory, sort of like queering the form, um, and just like kind of getting away from this idea that we go to a theater and we sit and we watch and we listen and we absorb, but that um, kind of hearkening back to the idea of like Greek civil duty to attend the theater. Um, So um, audience people came in, and they were part of the Greek chorus, they were live mediated, um, and we had this visual metaphor of like the life and death of the back and forth. Um, so we ended up doing this like big sculptural thing um, out of doors, and we used the the studio um, supplies that we had to make a low budget thing happen.
0: And you have you have you have three examples here. You have Comedy of Errors, mm-hmm. uh, Alcestis,
7: yes. Whew.
0: And The Road.
7: Yeah, so this was just a class project for model making, uh, practicing paint techniques and model making okay. techniques. And then this is a show that's loading in as we speak. And it's our um, Shakespeare main stage that's going up in April.
0: So you said that you do scenic painting as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, with, that, with that skill and eye for scenic painting, how has that influenced Your relationship to color and how you use it uh, in in your models
7: yeah I think I kind of started out painting more and I came from like fine arts background and stuff too I don't know I think it's really good to know also not just to do it but know how to communicate your painting ideas to a different charge if you are not painting it yourself um, like, I painted Katie's opera last year, and um, just, like, giving really detailed elevations and knowing, like, oh, what this treatment would be, as opposed to, like, sometimes I've gotten, like, really photoshopped elevations where it's, like, that's not possible with the brush, you know, or, like, do you even understand how that would get painted in real life in this timeline, et cetera, so I think it's made me appreciate more, like... The different varieties of like you could have millions and millions of shades of blue um and yeah just like that you can have layers and layers that build up on each other that lighting can bring out um i feel like the, the trend right now is like lots of big one color things and sometimes that's what you need and i feel like sometimes people don't know all the things that paint can do
0: so there, yeah. there's a if you ever get the opportunity you should look up uh, a project called dry pigment it's on facebook it's by wendy wassett barrett she just had a book uh, on the Scottish Rite uh, Temples. Oh, I was looking at that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, her work is amazing. She is a PhD in, in everything Scottish Rite, everything paint. She's amazing. I That's highly, great. highly recommend her work. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, having the opportunity to ask her about was with the with the way that lighting has changed from the, the incandescent, now mor- mor- morphing towards LED. How have you found that changing your perception of your work?
7: We were just talking about that actually, with how like white light isn't white anymore because of LED, and so that we should be like talking together as designers and painters and lighting designers about like what colors look good together. And we always do like tests with our paint samples in, the, in our light lab at school and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, I think that yeah, like our color palettes should be changing with how the lighting technology is changing too.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would agree. Like the the project I was describing like I had just had like big like monochromatic panels that are pink and I I had somebody come over and we're like how did your lighting designer handle that it's just like so pink but um it's really just like about collaborate collaborating and communicating um and testing as often as you can
0: so I'll ask it because I have you both here um there, there, there are people there are obviously going to listen to this. If you could give them uh, some thing or advice about being a woman in the creative art fields, um, just to be like, keep doing it. Keep, you know. What, what, what? What would you, what would you want to pass along to someone? I mean, th- we're not going to put this on your tombstone. It's not going to like <laughs> no. follow you around for the rest of your life. But, but just you know, you know. What 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 would you say for for the, that high school student or that student who isn't really sure if they want to pursue it? What would you what would you offer to them?
6: I think um, I found myself just surrounding myself and finding collaborators that are also women, um, and that has been the most valuable thing to empower each other and be kind to each other. And really appreciate that the art, the art that we're making um, has been the biggest influence for me in grad school is just the community that you surround yourself with is most important.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the same thing, and I think we talk a lot about this at school. Um, I'm on an all-male design team right now. Not that they're not all great, but it's just like things that are unspoken about um, you know, getting interrupted having, and I feel like our professors are always like you just have to work ten times harder and I wish that that wasn't the answer but I think it definitely kind of is at least in my experience and in my friends' experiences and I think a lot of it is choosing what projects you want to work on if you have that privilege and also like what stories you want to be telling and I got to like work with a bunch of my friends this summer and put on this like super queer like super bold proud um, piece set in a bilingual middle school and it was just like the raddest day of my life and I wish I could tell stories like that like every single day but then sometimes you do have to you know sit down with a director who might be a little you know more old-fashioned and uh, but then that's even more of an opportunity to like show him a different perspective um, I'm going to do that now and I know like we have a better relationship now because he was like, oh, I never ever thought of Shakespeare like that. So I think there's room for it in both worlds. But yeah, just keep going and hopefully it'll be changing super soon.
0: Excellent. So uh, if we could find a way to get you your work out so people can see it, um, how do people find you? Websites, emails, social media. Yeah,
7: everything's on websites. So mine is sasha scenic dot com, uh, and all info on there, resume, portfolio. Excellent. Yeah. And,
6: and yes, same thing. Uh, website is Katie with a Y, K A T Y. Katie Fetro Design. Er, <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> katie <Fetro> Design dot <laughs> com. Right? Is that what it is? <laughs> no, that's my email. Oh my gosh. katie dot com super generic um or yeah social media instagram um handle is katie fett um so lots of design stuff going on
0: serious inquiries only only (laughs) none of this oh maybe could you do this no no (laughs) we get paid we get paid to produce our art yes okay thank you ladies very much i wish you the best of luck and the greatest of success
6: thank Thank you you, so much
0: so I'm here with Madison McClain, a makeup artist from the University of North Carolina School of the Arts in beautiful Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and Jelena Yelena. Yelena Ancic, oh, you're going to have to say that. Jelena Andrich. Excellent. Who is an MFA Scenic Design student at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee. Welcome. I see this is your both your first time here at USITT. Yes and uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about let's start with Madison tell us a little bit more about your presentation here
1: sure well
8: um, I am a fourth year undergrad student at School of the Arts in North Carolina and I actually won the Krylon makeup design award here and so thank you so I got invited to participate in this forum Um, so, yeah, I've displayed a lot of this is work from this past year, my, my fourth year. Um, but, yeah, I love to do very realistic things. And I also love to work on kind of whimsical, um, more out there projects. So, yeah, whatever excites me is stuff that I really want to work on. So, so I've got a little bit of my work displayed here on the board. So what we have
0: here is uh, sort of a, a goblin mask. Yeah. Okay. Um, And what was the inspiration for that?
8: Um, So our fourth year in the wig and makeup program, we get to do, it's called the Troll Project. But it's basically any kind of creature that you want. And I was really inspired by uh, the goblins in the Harry Potter movies. And I really wanted to do like my own kind of, my own spin on that. So it's a foam latex uh, project. So... That is nine pieces of foam latex that I sculpted, ran, applied everything, start to finish.
0: Okay.
8: Um, yeah, and he's my little goblin.
0: <laughs> and uh, who who is it based off of? I mean, is that a, did you have a friend sit in as the as the, as the head? Or? Yeah,
8: one of my friends at, at school was my model. She's um, in the drama program there, so okay. she's a director, and I I, um, I got
0: her to to model it for me. Very cool. Is it, has has any of the, the, the work that you've done made its way onto, onto stage?
8: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've definitely done some prosthetics and straight makeup for productions at UNCSA. Um, I tend to mainly work on short films because we have oh, okay. a film school as well. Okay. So I've done a lot of work for film, um, but also for stage at UNCSA. Okay.
0: And the other thing that has, has extremely drawn my attention is this amazing wig with a ship and a dragon coming out of it yes or a sea monster <laughs> what in the world where did that come from
8: yeah that was um another really fun project that was from last year my third year at school um and it's inspired by the big ship wigs of the rococo period okay um and so i kind of took my own spin on it and wanted to do something really fun so i got to make that dragon out of paper mache, and I kind of paired it with a medieval-inspired ship that I hand-carved and made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, the wig was huge, and I had a, a full cage structure underneath it that I kind of placed the hair on top of. And we did this big photo shoot with it, and it was really fun.
0: What, what would you say are the, the, your, the prime skills of being someone who is an artist in makeup effects and, and wig building?
8: Skills, Yeah. Um, I think you just need to have a really good understanding of color theory. Um, I think that's really important. Also, I come from a fine arts background, and I found that that's been really um, instrumental in being a makeup artist is kind of understanding the light and shadow and all the values that play into faces and and making things. Um, And then for wig making, it's a lot of patience, and it's a lot of... um, uh, a lot of uh, determination to finish the project because it's very um, nitpicky and detailed and like really you know fine fine things that you have to pay attention to so it's a lot of um, willpower and patience I would say for to be a wickmaker.
0: <laughs> excellent well I uh, congratulations on not only winning the award but being able to, to present your work. Thank you so much and, and if anybody needs to find you, all they have to do is look for this electric green hair you're sporting today. Yes,
8: absolutely, my signature green hair.
0: Signature <laughs> green hair, excellent. So let's let's move over to your 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 uh, your, your yeah. partner here in the booth, <laughs> and Miss Yelena. Yep. Uh, and you are a scenic designer. That's right. And could you tell us a little bit about uh, not only what you have here, but uh, the models that you have uh, presented here on the ground, on the table?
9: Uh, well firstly i'll introduce myself i'm yeah Jelen. absolutely
0: i'm yeah. sorry i was Jelen. rude of me
9: no no don't worry i'm yelena and Andrich, and i am a third year mfa scenic designer at university of tennessee knoxville um i've uh i'm graduating in two months so i'm almost done with my education mm-hmm. uh what i have presented here is um three shows i have presented on the on the wall that's king charles the but by, by mike bartlett ubu Ra by alfred jury oh that's four actually top girls by carol churchill and three sisters by Chakov. um well uh, should i talk about all the plays or?
0: well let's focus on let's focus on one in particular because you you have the the, the scenic uh model for mm-hmm. Ubu Wa. Yeah. And uh, could you tell me kind of so, like the inspiration for that in particular? That's
9: a paper project that I did for a submi- submission for the Prague Quadrional 2019.
0: Oh, so you're going you're gonna, to uh, participate in
9: that? Uh, no, it, it didn't, I didn't get into the oh, open call, you, unfortunately. Everyone
0: get her in it. <laughs> which uh, which country would it have been for at Prague? No, no, I'm saying it would have been in the st- which student section would have been for Oh,
9: it would have been in uh open call for common space projects. Okay. All it's right. a like a open call for everyone. Okay. Uh so I did a paper project on that. I did I have a book here that has all the scene changes and I did all the costumes for it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh my main inspire my main idea was to yeah. Um, well, my main idea was to make a con- like a social comment because that's what Alfred Jury, uh initially wanted to do with this play. Okay. Uh, and my concept was to put all the characters of Ubu Ra and kind of a limbo that's also a rea- reality TV space like Big Brother because they're stuck in there and because of the vulgar behavior and uncivilized language and everything that you can... That, the, the way the characters in Ubu Ra behave, it's very similar to a reality show like Big Brother and I wanted to make a social comment on not very... on shows like that that are not quality shows and that are like very low entertainment in my opinion sure so um so yeah and the visual inspiration for that was my was richard Serra, a sculptor and i kind of uh i was inspired by his very abnormal and uh, curved shapes that he uses because i felt that that that's what this play needs, because it originally Alfred Jury talked about this play being situated nowhere, because it's actually set in Poland, by the, but the reason he set it in Poland was because historically, uh, look, looking at it historically, Poland has always been changing its boundaries because of various uh, like political occupations mm-hmm. that it's suffered. So um, he set Ubu Ra particularly in poland because he wanted it to be nowhere he wanted it to be very abstract and unrealistic so that's why i chose to do a completely abstract set that's kind of a utopian dystopian uh unrealistic curved space where time and um where time and space actually curve and blend together and it's it's kind of a Limbo, where they they're stuck in that limbo, li- like the like the characters from Big Brother.
0: Sure, sure. And, uh, I I I don't watch any of those 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 quote unquote reality shows. I find them m- just mindless, and I yes. didn't particularly find them. So I, I can understand the how you make that correlation with between the the, the work and, and what you were, were trying to achieve.
9: Mm-hmm. Thank um, you.
0: you know. What, what, what do you find? Who who has been someone who has helped inspire you and in your work as you as you develop your design skills? Who would you say? Some of you say because I read this book or I met this person. Who would you say that well, might be?
9: I would say my undergrad professor. Okay. And I finished my undergrad in Belgrade, Serbia, and mm-hmm. she was my professor in my third year, uh, Vesna Popovic, and she she inspired me the most because she taught me that set design isn't just a pretty picture in the background for the actors set design and the the set and the scenography as we call it it's supposed it's supposed to be a different character and it's supposed to like another character in the play and it's supposed to tell a story and it's supposed to tell a concept and it's supposed to be functional it's not supposed to be just a pretty background it's supposed to be politically and socially charged and yeah it, it's it's it has a higher role than just being a pretty background okay
0: right. I would say that so for for, for the both of you um, if people want to, to find you and see your work examples of your work where would they go uh,
9: they would go to my website which is www. W dot, uh, my first name and last name, which is J E L E N A A N D Z I C dot com. All right,
0: and, and I think we say it again.
9: Yeah, um, my website is McLean
8: dot com. M a d i s o n M um, c L a i n, and then my Instagram is Nosidam underscore
0: McLean. It's Madison backwards. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Excellent. And uh, what? Uh, one one final question. Um, for, 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 because a majority of the, 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 presenters here have been women, which has been great as a way of showcasing, uh, uh women designers. If you could uh, pass along some advice to, to people who to either apply or reach out or, or do well, what would you say to them?
8: Um, I think just realizing the value of your own work and what you do, um, your work is special because it's you doing it and no one else is going to do the exact same thing that you do. Um, and so there's value in your work just because it's it's you doing it, you know? And so I think that realizing that and realizing that you are an individual with something to offer is really important to realize. Um, and I think you should just go for it. Like, just apply for everything you can. Every opportunity, just go for it and see what happens because um you know it you never know what will come of it
9: yeah I, uh, I agree uh, I agree that you should apply for everything try everything uh, it's it's very strange where where the road can take you if you if you don't think that something is important like a application or an open call or something is very important or uh, like, like very if you don't think it will get you anywhere you can never you'll never know that unless you try and i also what i would say to young scenic designers as a scenic designer you're a collaborative designer and it's it can be hard collaborating with a design team especially if you're not on the same page so my advice there is power through and try try to be civilized try to be open-minded but also if the production is not going the way you would like it the road you would like it to go down to try to find something that you try to find something that's yours and try to fight for it and enjoy in it even though it how can I put it collaborations can get frustrating so Try to find one thing that's yours and enjoy doing that and don't mind anything else.
0: That's all. Excellent. Well, again, I wish you the best of luck. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, I look forward to seeing your work as it grows.
7: Thank you so much. Thank
0: it's you. Awesome. Here we go. So I am staying here with Miss Alice Trent. Of, she's a graduate student of lighting design at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. A beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. But I say that for everybody's, everybody's town. It's the beautiful Austin, Texas. And the beautiful, they're all beautiful. I mean,
10: Knoxville might be the most beautiful, but yes, we'll, we'll accept the other answers.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So, um, uh, so, I'm standing here, again, with Miss Alice Trent. Lighting designer, please say hello. Hi,
10: everybody. Should I talk more more introduction?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just give us a, a, a little bit. Oh, right now we're looking at, you are a lighting and projection design yeah. uh, aficionado designer. And uh, could you just tell us about what you have brought here today?
10: Well, this is hard to describe a picture, but I'm going to really paint one right now. Um, so... I brought four shows for lighting and one show for projections. Since I'm new to projections, I've really only started doing them in grad school, and I've been lighting for much longer than that. But the productions I have are Newsies, This Is Our Youth, Three Sisters, and The Dream of the Burning Boy. And I feel like most of those plots are pretty well known besides The Dream of the Burning Boy. And I'll just say it's a little play that talks about The death of a young student how it affects everyone around him and it's a wonderful play everyone should read it and it's based off it's titled because of freud's theory that when you experience loss and grief you dream about it and you would rather stay in the dream of that person still being alive and even if you were on fire even if you were burning you would still rather stay asleep because you miss them so much and that's
0: kind of the concept of the play No, you said you started in in lighting design, uh-huh. and uh, you you studied that in your undergraduate.
10: I studied a lot of things in my undergrad cool. lighting lighting in addition. I did not, I did lighting in high school, and I did not necessarily think that I could do it for like for college. So I went to a university that did not have a theater department until my sophomore year there. I'm our second ever graduate, and it it's turned into a little thing. It's mostly actors and stage managers, but. Uh, they let me do all the lighting since I liked it, and then I got better at it because they let me do that. And then they forced me to work outside at theaters in Cincinnati. they're like, yeah, we know we can't give you what you need, so you have you have to work out or we're not going to graduate you. And I went, oh, great, I love working. And I met a lot of people. I met my future MFA department head when I assisted him at the Cincy Playhouse, and I was
3: like, oh, cool, great.
0: Excellent, excellent. And you like, you, definitely have, 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 have quite a have quite a... Volume of draftings and, and drawings here. Um, when, when you uh, when you approach a, a design, where do you generally like to start?
10: Oh, oh, research and script analysis. Honestly, script analysis even more than research because your research should be should be targeted because of what the script is saying. I think script analysis and understanding why a play is saying it a certain way and how and the through line of the text of the like driving action is so important to understand because it's the thing that everyone in the room has a comment about. We're all going to bring different research. We're all going to do different designs, but it's all for the same play. So you have to understand it best
0: so so of the important skills other than you know how to choose a light or how to draft Mm -hmm. it's actually the how to dig into the the text
10: if you don't know how to talk about a play in a moving way with the director or with your other designers then people aren't going to want to be on a team with you they're gonna be like oh well that person was boring they didn't read the script they didn't they just showed up and kind of did something that went away there was no heart or um, investment in the production i think that all comes from
0: the script. Um, one of the one of the things that uh, I've been asking, because there's been a, some other various uh, designers of things that are around here, um, is the use of color. And that color tends to be one of those those fields where either you have a really definitive opinion about how to choose it, or it's something you just kind of feel. Um, and in particularly in lighting, oh, yeah. because of the. the the evolving nature of it, from incandescent to LED. What would you say has been like the biggest challenge that you you've started to run across? As because we're kind of in the middle of that evolution. I
10: think it's really interesting to look at just color temperature in terms of pictures from shows being done ten years ago versus today. Today we love pictures of people in like cool white light with like saturates around them. We like the color amber, like. Is starting to slowly disappear because I think everyone has started to kind of accept that yeah no white light is our new normal okay like amber incandescent is kind of moving more into an effect look than a um, than a like a key light look okay which is very different from even like five years ago okay like I used to have warms in my front lights and now I'm like oh the warmest I'm ever gonna go is like a super low sat lab I just it's the amber shift coming when you like, run it lower than 20%. It's, it's, it's weird how we see color now okay. because of the constant presence of LEDs and just in day-to-day life, and that affects how we see light in the theater. And then you have the fact that when LEDs are first coming out, they're, they, can, they're, they were never going to do an incandescent look because they didn't have that technology yet. I mean, we do now, but, it, but LEDs are like, oh, well, that's an LED light like I know what that is like right. immediately. It's it's very strong storytelling because the type of lamp that you use is, can't be identified by even like even by a layperson. They're like, "Oh, I know if that's an LED. I know that's an LED. I know that's a much I know that's an arc source lamp." They might not know the names, but they know that it's different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really bold storytelling choice, I think, in terms of what like types of lamps you're using.
0: Okay. Cuz one of the one of the Conversations that I've heard over time is that if you were to put, and, and uh, classes do this in costume, they do this in a lot of other fields. They say, "Okay, here's an incandescent, here's an LED, here's this light, and we're going to put a, a cut of lead 200 in this light." Okay, well, now we want to match it, and I found that people are worried that, like the specific colors, as we understand it today in the gel in the gel form is going to disappear because now our perception of what Lee 200 is is going to be this mathematically created version of it as opposed to...
10: Um, I'm pretty sure Beverly Emmons, who runs like the lighting uh, like archives, is doing a really in-depth study about colors and how they have changed over the years and then she's archiving all the old colors and pictures of them from incandescent sources versus led sources so i will always have that reference but i don't, my main concern with that entire thing is that since leds are manufactured at different times you can't buy a newer manufactured led to put with your old ones even if they're the same unit they'll, they're going to have different diodes in them so you turn them on you say go to lee 200 and even two identical lights, they're just manufactured at different times, are no longer they. It's not the same color, right.
1: right?
10: And I, that's my concern. I, I think gel going away and how we talk about color might evolve to us saying, "Hey, yeah, no, we want it. We want it to be like a like 50% red, 20% blue, 40% green color, whatever that is." I don't think that would be a good color, but whatever. Sure. Um, but that that might be how we start talking about them as opposed to like the gel books. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I don't, I don't know. I feel it's expensive to go LED. Oh, absolutely. a lot of, a lot of the, I don't, we're still use like some theaters are still using equipment from the, from like the eighties, the seventies. It's, mm. it's a, it's going to be a really slow development into that. So maybe there'll be a new genius invention for how we all talk about, color, who
0: knows? Yeah, I, I certainly don't have the answers. But
10: I just, as long as we all work together to find a universal language about how we talk, then I think it'll be fine. Okay. All right. Like, we're all smart, creative people. We could find a different way to talk about color than a number. Because at the end of the day, it's not a number, it's what they randomly assigned, and Lee 200 is still, like, the same color as a Roscoe equivalent. It's... So, but we call those the same color, different names, but and we're fine with it. So
0: uh, I, I look at it as like the pick your favorite American-made thing, like hamburgers. Yeah, Every, you can go to Wendy Burger or wherever, and a hamburger is a hamburger is a hamburger. It's just your presentation is slightly different than their presentation,
10: and it's and, and the hamburger is still good, so it doesn't matter as long exactly. as the color is still good and it's still doing the storytelling thing. Then we have it. My, my least favorite thing is trying to color match LEDs to incandescents. Right. That is, I'd rather have one or the other. Both is hard. Both is challenging.
0: So have, uh, taking your artistic hat off, mm-hmm. putting your scientific hat off, how, how have you found your your use of science and math to, to help you with with your design?
10: Oh, gosh. Um, the most important part is the light plot. That is you cashing in your promises to the director, to the team, to your research and your design. So you can't make a good light plot without science because you need physics to figure out if the lights are going to work. And what was the question? I, I, I was about to go on a tangent about light plots, but I don't think anyone wants to hear about that. So,
0: no, it was just like it's, it's one, of, one of the things is um, people – some people mistakenly think that it's, oh, you just kind of turn on a light and this is what you do. But uh, there's a lot of uh, science and math A behind light it.
10: If a light is, in a, okay, so I, one of our main spaces at my school is in the form of an old carousel. It is circular and, it, and its roof slopes. If you don't do your science well, moving a light three feet in that space could make or break you. Mm-hmm. Because it could be too high, too low, too, like two to the side. It's, science is so incredibly important and I wish there was a little bit of a better universal understanding to be like no, where you put things is important for everyone as opposed to, well, you'll just move a light and make it work I just got done um, I was the associate designer for a show and we were work- I was drafting the light plot because that's essentially what I do when I associate design and I was like, yeah, you want your color backwatch system, we can't light the people right now, the set's too low and they're like, oh, well, I don't know about that and I'm like great. I made a 56 slide PowerPoint presentation of the 3D model I made of the space and of the set. And I turned on every light in Vectorworks to prove that we can't light the faces, let alone the rest of the set because of how low it is to the ground. It's a suspended music instrument grid. And I mean, the scene designer, when he saw it, I was like, oh yeah, well, we'll just move it up. Great. And I was like, oh, you're so perfect. Oh, you're so lovely. You were just so game for it. But science is important without science. I, I can't Without science we can't actually implement our designs okay. like you can't implement your seating design without knowing how to draft because that because then you're just drawing a picture and not and not actually making it Grounded work for it. everyone else because that's what we do so
0: all right well if people want to get a hold of you mm-hmm. find your work find Alice Trent's lighting design
10: um alicetrent.com works or Trent lighting.com works both are good to go um. yeah come see my portfolio contact me it goes straight to my email so it's cool
0: excellent excellent well I wish you the best of luck congratulations Thank you. you take yeah. care excellent so I'm standing here with Miss Danielle Soldat uh, she's a graduate student at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill in Chapel Hill North Carolina beautiful Chapel Hill
11: North Carolina
0: and um She has a presentation of costume design?
11: No, costume. I'm a costume technician.
0: Costume technician. My apologies. It's okay. And uh, (laughs) tell me uh, a little bit about what we have here and what you've created.
11: Yeah, so I'm a graduate student, and uh, we have our costume production program in which I am both taking classes and making taking classes such as um, the crafts classes that involve millinery and masks and armor and stuff as well as patterning and draping classes in which we apply all of the stuff that we've learned um, in classes to work at the Playmakers Repertory Company which is a regional theater housed at UNC where we are drapers for the productions and make things and okay. production such as Tartuffe and um, Sherwood, which was a recent show.
0: And you have some lovely examples mm-hmm. sitting here on your on your uh, table. Let's talk about the, the biggest one. The big one. It says a Dolly Kingdom leather tooled armor. <laughs>
11: yes. So this was um, inspiration from there is an artifact at the Met op, uh, the, at the Met Museum that is. A piece of armor from the dolly kingdom and it is meant for a man it is a lacquered leather um, like breastplate with a uh, hip uh, and skirt type guard that is um, a bunch of leather panels that are all the whole thing is laced together um, and so I decided to recreate this so it involved a lot of taking the leather. And um, sculpting it as well as tooling it, and um, then lacing everything together. I did a lot of things uh, trying to break into the digital world as well and make things easier for me. So with the tooling, I decided to I three D printed a stamp to be able to recreate that. The scale look on the dragons that are built uh, done on it, as well as laser cutting all of the panels for the skirt.
0: Because what's amazing here is you you brought a, a, a basically a data sheet for how mm-hmm. uh, this, and the planning and sampling alone took nine hours. Yes, <laughs> and just the amount of time, folks, is astounding. So between let's let's say the planning and sampling, the pattern, the shaping. The washing of the tiles, the tooling, the cutting, the dyeing, the painting, the lacing, the punching of holes, the 3D printing, and the laser cutting. 45, almost 50 hours, 46 hours of work. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. And and how many of these, did you just make the one? Yes. Oh, <laughs> just okay. One. I was going to say, because if it takes 45 yes. and no. a half hours to make one, and you had to make like an army it would just
11: well the interesting thing about this project is it was for a class so it wasn't like a realized thing however when you break down the hours and thinking about that and using modern technology like doing the laser cutting a lot of the things doing this if I were to multiply if I had to make an army of this that 45 and a half hours would not increase significantly. I think it would, if if I were to make two of them, it would probably only increase by maybe 25%, like, instead of um, a whole, like, double the time. Because once you've done one, you can cut all the planning, you can cut the patterning, you can cut all of of the uh, digitizing of the files, and the actual, a lot of the things that you're doing are, if, like... For the tiles, for example, I cut about 45 tiles at once, and so you just keep doing it, and the time that it takes to cut, you can be doing other things. So there's a lot of, you can manage your time in a way that uh, increasing the amount of work does not necessarily mean increasing the amount of hours.
0: I see. Okay. See, I learned something new. Yeah. I did Mm -hmm. did not know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Uh, if you uh, had a, a, a project or, or something that you wanted to work towards, are you hoping to uh, uh, eventually create a shop of your own that you can make custom pieces? Or
11: Who knows? Maybe. I think for right now, um, the plan is to work in a theater and be a draper. At a theater, whether it be regional or work in one in a shop, say in New York or LA or somewhere. Um, Very cool. Yeah, that would be the dream. And maybe someday open a shop, or I think um, I've gone through a BFA and now I'll be getting my MFA and I think uh education is extremely important so that is something that who knows I may appear in the future again (laughs) what
0: what, okay let me here's here's an important question what do you think is misunderstood about being in the being a costume technician
11: um well first of all I even my own family sometimes thinks I'm a designer or thinks that oh if I'm making the clothing sometimes uh maybe I really do want to be on stage or something but no I think what's I think misunderstood is just the whole that we are our own craft and even though I haven't designed the garment there's a lot of creativity that comes with making it and having to make decisions and um there is an artistry to it that I think sometimes people forget about.
0: Okay. And uh, oh, one, 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 last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is there a project that uh, uh, that you uh, like that you hope to to, ha- to create one day? Is there a, uh, something out there that you say one of these days I want to make that? This
11: is super cheesy. Okay. No, it's okay. So it's Super okay. cheesy, and I'm also excited about it. But my dream since I. A little girl has always been to do a a production of Beauty and the Beast because so fun. Cost like the costumes are insane and awesome, and it's like everybody I talk to they say it's always a nightmare, but it's something I've always wanted to do. And I was actually just hired on to work at a theater uh, for the fall, and they are doing that production, so I am finally gonna do it.
0: (laughs) Excellent! Well, congratulations. Thank you. Excellent. So, if people want to find you and your amazing craft work, uh, where do they go?
11: Um, You can check out my website, which is Soldat, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-S-O-L-D-A-T dot com. (laughs) Excellent.
0: And uh, that'll have contact information and everything?
11: Yeah, all my stuff is there.
0: Excellent. Well, I wish you the best. Thank you. Congratulations, and uh, good luck. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is listener-supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at ArchiveTT24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.